that helps us cultivate who we want to be in the future and to think really consciously about what that looks like and to shift any beliefs that might be intercepting that, right? So as I visualize my future self and I see her showing up in a particular type of way, what beliefs do I need to shift to make sure that I can really do that in real life? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Next Level University, where we teach you how to level up in your life, your love, your health, and your wealth. No matter where you are now or where you've been, there is a next level. We bring you seven episodes a week, six of which are solo episodes with Kevin and myself and one world-class guest to help you get there. This podcast is proudly sponsored by our friend and mentor, David Meltzer of The Playbook Podcast. Next Level Nation, welcome back to another very special, as always, episode of Next Level University. We have a very, very special guest today. She helps powerful entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs feel really good in their work through a mind, body, and business approach to coaching. So you can actually like going to work every day. I think that is pretty important. We are chatting with Amina Altai. How are you doing, Amina? I am awesome. Thank you for having me here today. You are so very, very welcome. So something you talk often about and is kind of the through line of your work is authenticity and self-care. How... For somebody who is such a high achiever, somebody who is so ambitious, how did you find out about the importance of self-care and balancing self-care and the hustle of things? Yeah. So basically, I had to go really far wrong before I could go right and really understand what was happening here and why I needed these tools. So just to give you a little bit of background, I started my career in marketing and brand management and... I co-founded a marketing agency in my 20s and it was amazing, but I didn't have any of the tools that I have today. And I basically was taking care of my team and my clients and everybody but myself. And I eventually burned out and developed two autoimmune diseases. And looking back, it's such a great experience because it really sent me in a different direction. But at the time, it was really gnarly and it felt like this rock bottom. And after developing those two autoimmune diseases, I went and I had my what I call eat, pray, love year, where I went back to school to study nutrition, mindfulness, movement, coaching, all the tools and all the things just to get myself well. And what I discovered when I actually felt well was, wow, I have so much energy and enthusiasm and I can stay in this work for a lifetime and not just a season. And so it became so clear to me that taking care of ourselves, self-care, nourishment is a conduit to clarity. If we don't take care of ourselves, we can't be clear, right? We can't hear our intuition. We don't know the signals. And so I think that's one of the first steps is really carving out space to take care of ourselves so that we can show up more fully for the work and also hear ourselves and know what is true for us and what isn't. Amina, so you talked about intuition right there. And I often tell Kev, hey, I got a download today. And what I mean by that is my intuition is telling me, hey, Alan, you should do this or take this new perspective, this new approach. And I agree, we live in a noisy world. And so when we're overstimulated and we're not taking care of ourselves and we don't have what I call the silence between the notes and we're just grind, 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 it can be difficult to listen to those whispers. Kevin and I talk about how your intuition starts out as a whisper, but eventually it will become a scream if you don't listen to it. So what is your what is your practice to make sure you're listening to your intuition for our listeners? I love your ethos and I'm very aligned with you. So I remember when I was first coming to this work and first coming to coaching, I remember asking my first coach, like, how does one hear their intuition? And she was just kind of laughing at me. And she's just like, once you hear it, you will never unhear it. 
And that was such a really great insight. But for me, it really started with the nourishment piece. So for me, like an entry point, I think for a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, an entry point is eating well and meditating and movement that kind of clears the space out. So we feel like our body is more of a channel. My practice, I have a really structured morning practice that allows me to really show up clearly and fully for my clients and for the rest of the day. So I start my morning with a 20 minute meditation. I'm a Vedic meditator. So we use a Sanskrit mantra that's been assigned to us. And I do 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. After that, I do some chanting. I also have a red light that I work with. So I sit in front of my red light for 20 minutes while I do the chanting because I'm a multi-hyphenate, so I have to multitask. So I do that. I'll move my body and have a nourishing breakfast. And then just after that is when I'll sit down and start my work for the day. So I really have this dedicated time and space in the morning that is for my practice and for getting clear so that I can show up fully and tuned in and all of that. How long did it take you to find that that practice worked best for you? So I change all the time and I invite people to check in at every next level of becoming and ask yourself, what are the tools that are going to work for me now? Because we're different day to day, right? So the Vedic meditation has been a practice that has stayed with me. I always move my body in the morning, but the type, the modality that I use shifts all the time. So sometimes, you know, spin feels really good. Sometimes yoga feels really good. Sometimes high intensity interval training feels really good. So perpetually checking in with yourself and saying, okay, for who I am now and who I'm becoming, what's the routine that's going to ground me or help me get to the next level mm. you keep saying next level it's you know i just i love it i just love so it <laughs> on purpose it's on purpose uh i was listening to something on your website earlier doing my research and you were talking about how there was a time in your life when you were very young that you were very very heavy and you were struggling mm -hmm. with that and you mm -hmm. were i think diabetic or on your way to being diabetic i think you said and you basically said that after that, you lost 65 pounds, I believe, in a very short amount of time, but your identity was still the old identity. Can you talk to our listeners about how to make sure your identity is, is keeping up with and is healthy with the transformation and the growth? Because I think that Kevin and I, every new next level we get to, mm -hmm. I have this sort of weird mini identity crisis. Yeah. And I try to value myself at that new level. What I'm trying to do now is do that in advance. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk to our listeners a little bit about that process of like what you didn't know back then, but now in hindsight, looking back, you understand what was happening there regarding your identity? Yeah, absolutely. So I believe that all identities are and labels are in lots of ways superficial and partial. And the cost of the question is not to go nameless, but to keep the conversation of identity ever evolving. So in that moment in my life, I was like 12 or 13 years old and I lived life in a larger body. And I was getting all these messages around me about how that was unacceptable of like, like from my parents to kids at school, to kids' parents at school, to the doctors, like everyone was just like, it's not okay to be this size, to be in this body. And so my impetus initially of like shifting the weight was to be more acceptable to everybody else because I felt like I wasn't acceptable the way that I was. And so in the course of a year, I taught myself how to eat properly, how to move my body in a way that my body liked. And I was able to lose 65 pounds over the course of that year. But I arrived at the end of the year and I didn't feel any different. I was like, I still feel like the same Amina from before, but now everybody outside of me is responding really differently. And so I think it's really important that we get in right relationship with the why behind the evolution. So for me, I wasn't really in right relationship with that why. That was really for other people versus for me. 
So now as I'm evolving, I'm always like, well, okay, as I think about my vision and my impact, what's the why behind it? So for this next level of growth and who I want to be, how is it connected to this broader vision that I have? And what does it look like to show up as this future self version? So I do a lot of future self meditations where it's like visualizing myself in the future and how I'm moving through life and how I show up and the people that I'm surrounded by. And I think that's such a beautiful practice to step into because it helps us cultivate who we want to be in the future and to think really consciously about what that looks like and to shift any beliefs that might be intercepting that, right? So as I visualize my future self and I see her showing up in a particular type of way, what beliefs do I need to shift to make sure that I can really do that in real life? Mm. Wonderfully said. Amina, what, what is your relationship with self-love and self-awareness. I think that I love, I want everybody to love themselves intrinsically and I want everybody to love the body they're in. But I also think there's room for self-love and ambition. And I think some people lose sight of understanding that you can love who you are and where you are, but also the next level. What would you say to somebody out there who's struggling with being in between those two thought processes? Yeah, self-love. So beautiful. You said self-love and self-awareness, yeah? Yes. Self-awareness slash ambition for mm -hmm. greater. Okay. Love this. So self-love, our value is innate, right? We come to this earth and we are already worthy. And so many of us think that our worthiness is about achieving certain things outside of ourselves. So first and foremost, I want to anchor in that point of like, we are always lovable. We are always worthy. And we get to love who we are now and want to grow, want to change, want to evolve. I have a framework and it's um, the distinction between healthy ambition and wounded striving. In healthy ambition, we're coming from that space of self-love, from self-awareness, from wholeness, knowing that like no matter how we show up in the world, we are lovable, we are worthy, and we're going to evolve into this other thing that we have a desire to evolve into. The wounded striving is when we're coming from a wound, right? This desire to grow from a feeling of not good enough or perfectionism or imposter syndrome from the wound, the wound driving the hustle versus the space of wholeness, the self-love, the self-awareness that's driving the ambition. What How do you know which... Uh you son of a bee. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was just gonna, strivers right now. I, I was just going to say, how do you, I think I started off as a wounded striver and I think For Alan sure. probably did to a degree as well. <laughs> Based how, on my awards, she can already tell. Amina, <laughs> how do you know when to transition? How do you know where you're at? How do you know, I think my anxiety and my pain served a purpose. How do you know when it's time to get rid of that and, and pivot? Yeah, beautiful question. And I love how we were all like nodding our heads of like, we've started in the place of wounded striving. I totally started there as well. Like when I started my agency, I was just chasing the shiny objects. I was like, I just want to be worthy and valuable and acceptable to everybody around me. So whatever shiny object you want me to achieve, I'll go do the thing, I'll get the thing. And there came a time in my life where that way of being and thinking, it broke. And that was that moment where I had that rock bottom with the autoimmune disease, where I'd been pushing myself so hard to achieve these unattainable things outside of myself to make myself acceptable to everybody, which isn't the thing. Like it broke, right? So I believe that there are moments in our lives where, yeah, where a lot of us are coming from the wound and there is zero shame around this language or this experience, right? We're all doing it in lots of ways. But there comes a moment where those tactics and those tools, they don't work anymore for that next level of becoming, we need something a little different, right? It's like certain tools will get us to where we are. And for that next echelon, it's a different tool. And that's where the healthy ambition comes in. Hey everybody, this is Matt Kramer coming at you from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Kevin, Alan, and the rest of the NLU team. Um, 
I have come across them in the last year and honestly can say of all the places and people that I get information from for self-improvement, for operating at peak performance, these guys know how to bring it um, and their team knows how to bring it too. Uh, all the content they put out, whether it's a podcast, a book club, um, a quick hit video, um, their coaching, any of it is just next level, honestly. Um, no pun intended, it, it is next level. Uh, they drop a lot of knowledge bombs no matter what you're doing and being part of the group coaching has allowed me to really harness the knowledge that they bring to the table. Um, these guys definitely walk the walk and don't just talk the talk, which is <clears throat> the best thing about these guys. Um, you really feel like you get that personalized experience and they know how to bring it. I really appreciate that you honored the evolution of that. I see a lot of people in this holistic self-improvement. Well, I'll say the self-improvement space. You're holistic and we are too. Uh, health, wealth, and love. Health is physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Wealth is how you make your money. Do you love what you do? You know, how much do you make? Is that growing or decreasing over time on the aggregate? And then where do you invest it? And then love, which is like self-love, intimate relationship, family, you know, colleagues, mentors, mentees, all that stuff, clients, et cetera, business partners uh, like Kevin. But it's holistic. And Kevin and I, we are in this industry a lot. And you have like one person saying, grind your face off. You have one person saying, just be in the power of now. One person says the future. You know, one person says only worry about the present. And it's like, if you only worry about the present, your future is not going to be that bright. If you only worry about the future, you're never going to arrive. You're just going to constantly strive. And so what I what I already like about this interview is that you're a deep thinker um, and, and you've thought through some of these layers and it's very clear to me. And I knew that in the research as well. So I have a bunch of things written down for you. One of them is relationship with self. And you talk a lot about non-authenticity. Uh, My mm -hmm. question is, what do you think is the root cause of non-authenticity? So so if we're all striving for authenticity and I would argue that I'm more authentic now than I ever have been, yeah. but that's been an evolution. And I'm still not at 100% because there's no such thing. It's, it's getting closer and closer and closer and closer to that highest self. What do you believe is the main root cause from all of your research and coaching to why people are non-authentic, especially some of the people who claim to be the most, Yeah, which I find really fascinating? Yes. I love that question so much. And I agree with you of like, there is no arrival point. We are never 100%. We are always becoming. I'm, I'm right alongside you there. So what I've seen in my years of coaching and also in my own life is the piece that really keeps us separate from the authenticity is shadow. So we all grow up in these family systems, cultures, and subcultures that value a very particular way of being. So maybe we grew up in a family system that valued the math and sciences. So you came to the world as a really creative person and really wanted to embody that creative expression. But you learned in this family system that that wasn't acceptable, that wasn't lovable. So what we do is we tend to bury those traits that we deem unlovable and we relegate them to what Carl Jung calls the shadow, which is the quote unquote dark side of our personality. And then what we do is we create this over rotation, essentially a performance piece to throw people off the scent that that thing ever existed. So for me, shadow is messiness. I presented as like the like the perfectionistic, like everything's fine, everything's shiny, we got it all. Like, because in my family system, I learned that the worst thing you could ever be was like messy and like not achieving these high grades and doing all the things and all the stuff. So I had this over rotation into perfectionism that was like so polished and clear that that wasn't a real thing. So for a lot of us, it really is that shadow in the family system and these core beliefs that we cement about life and success and ambition and ourselves. And then we tend to move through life carrying those 
core limiting beliefs with us or that shadow with us until something breaks and we sit down to really examine the belief system that's really driving what we call fate. How does someone identify like you have where they're overcorrecting from the shadow? Because the, the, that thing that you talked about, about the perfectionism too, it's like, I see so much overcorrection in myself and in others now. Mm-hmm. And every strength comes with a weakness. It's so fascinating to me. Uh, confidence, huge strength, but the weakness is arrogance. Optimism, huge strength, but the weakness is rose-colored glasses and not looking at the accurate truth, right? So every single, so how did you identify your shadow self and and what you adopted and inherited uh, from your upbringing? And then what did you do about it? And then how do our listeners do the same? Yeah. So I got a lot of feedback specifically around the perfectionism trait. People would tell me all the time of like too polished, like we can't really feel you. Like what is, and I was like, what are you talking about? Like there's no act going on over here, like in complete denial about the thing. Yeah. It was just coming up so much in repetition and repetition. I was like, there's something here for me to look at. So I, I read this book, it's called the dark side of the light chasers. And it's one of my favorite books on the subject of shadow. And it's, I think it's from the 1980s or 1990s. It's an oldie, but a goodie. And there's a ton of exercises in there that really helps you identify where you might have some shadow uh, traits that you deem unlovable and how you might be creating an over rotation around this thing. So it's a really, it's a great first stop if you want to look into shadow and some core limiting beliefs. And I like that there's so many exercises in it because it allows you to do the deep work as you're reading the book too. Mm. That's going to be a buy for sure. What was the title of that again? The Dark Side of the Light Chasers by Debbie Ford. I'm going to, so it's clear that you've done a ton of work, obviously, like on yourself and in the world. What is, and I'd love to rumble with this if it, if it becomes a rumble, but I know Alan and Alan's probably like a 95 hustle five cup fill, but his hustle is his cup fill. I'm probably closer to like 80, 20. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think I'm like 90, 10, but I'm just not, it's just, it, I just, it's just true. It's just true. <laughs> what is your hustle to fill your cup ratio? And what is your relationship with doing hard things? Because 770 episodes is just difficult. It's hard. All and I, I think I'd be doing a disservice if I said it was easy, but yeah. Is it easier for me because I love it? So it's not as hard. Like, what is your take on that? Just all the things that I just regurgitated. Yeah, (laughs) I would probably say that I'm an 80-20 as well. And I think it's really refined over time. I think when I first had that moment, my rock bottom and my diagnosis, it was probably a 95-5 and in a way that I needed to keep shifting. And every next level of becoming requires a bit more of a shift. And it's really interesting because I teach this to my clients too. I say, allow the contrast to refine the vision and the contrast are the challenges, right? So the things that are feeling uncomfortable for us, how can we refine the vision based on the discomfort? So last week I experienced some discomfort and just realizing I needed some extra support logistically on my team. And I allowed that to refine the vision. So always shifting, always refining. The question about hard things, I love that question because I think that growth requires us doing hard things. I am perpetually doing hard things. Mm -hmm. I'm perpetually perplexed and scratching my head about the thing that I'm learning or the next thing that I want to do. And it doesn't mean that we have to burn ourselves out. It doesn't mean that it has to be this insurmountable lift. But I had a therapist tell me about a decade ago, 
Amina, life isn't easy. And like the sooner we realize that and the sooner that we make peace with the fact that there are hard things all around us, the easier it is going to be to lift them and to honor that growth and to step into it all in. Hmm. I, I appreciate that so very much. Yeah, because I think that uh, Kevin and I talked recently about toxic positivity and yeah. how some people can can avoid negative so much that they're not looking at the truth of their actual behavior and their conduct. And I think it's interesting because a lot of times those are what you said you deem unlovable traits about yourself. So you don't look at them Mm -hmm. because there's shame, but then you never solve them because you won't look at them because your ego is like, no, they're not a problem, which is so fascinating. So, um, you Alan, we gotta, we do have to hustle here. We, we got to wrap. Yeah, we got three. We got to wrap. Okay. Yeah. Uh, last question. Quickly. Quickly. <laughs> um, so you had just mentioned that you experienced some, what was it? Uh, dis, it was, you either said discomfort or contrast. Contrast and discomfort. I think I said and both. Contrast. Okay. And you said that you needed, there was a, uh, something going on with your team that was frustrating. So yeah. I've been saying frustration is a necessary part of the process. Turn your frustration into fascination. Fascination turns into transformation. What specifically was it that was uncomfortable? And then what was the problem that you identified in there? And then what did you do to fix it? Yeah. Or solve it, I should say. Yeah. In my my recovery around perfectionism, imposter syndrome, codependency, I have a tendency to do a lot of the things. And what I've really tried to transition into over the last couple of years is really focusing solely on my most exceptional abilities. And my most exceptional abilities and where I need to be focused is on coaching and sales, sales and delivery. That is all I need to be doing. And there are times when I step outside of those lines. And I did that last week and I was a little bit too much in the logistics because I didn't have on the ground support for an in-person event in the way that I would pre-pandemic. And I just noticed myself just over-rotating and coming back into some of those dysfunctional behaviors. And I stopped for a moment and I had this really wonderful conversation with my team where I like owned my stuff and my growth edge and allowed them to come in and support me in a bigger way. It was actually really, really cool. And it was also really important. I didn't rush into the conversation. I took a beat where I thought about where is this really coming from? And some of it was connected to a deeper wound of feeling unsupported that actually came from childhood. And I was like, they do not need to be on the receiving end of that. That's none of their stuff. But over here is a little bit of our stuff that we need to look at together. So taking a beat in between really allowed me to refine the conversation, to refine the vision. So right there with you, I love that. The frustration into fascination, into transformation. Was that it? So good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's so it's so important. Jim Rohn did the frustration into fascination thing. And then I thought once you're fascinated, you can find the root cause of the issue. Like you just did. It's like, oh, that's my childhood. 90% of this is something I'm dealing with. But this other 10% is definitely the team out here making mistakes and stuff. And that's fine because we fell forward, but like we need to identify it. And I also realized that you're struggling to delegate like we are and stay within your genius zone because that's, again, the where you've evolved to. What got you here actually won't get you there, but yet you have to somehow fill in. It's like a pyramid. If you, If the bottom starts to erode, the top will topple. And it's fascinating because we have to fill in those gaps with resources outside of ourselves when we came from entrepreneur land where at first we had to do everything ourselves. And so it's just awesome to see that it's very clear that you play at a level similar to us and, and you're evolving in the way we've had to evolve in order to get to that next level of impact, success, profitability. So this was really cool. Thank you so much. 
I loved this conversation. It was so nice to connect with you both. Um, and we'll do it again in the future. We'll do a longer one. I want to make sure that people get to find you. Where can they learn more about you and what you do in this wonderful world? Awesome. You can follow me on Instagram at Amina Altai or my website, AminaAltai.com. Spelling will be in the show notes. Yes, it will be. <laughs> and also, I just want to give a shout out to Amy. Amy is my assistant and she recommended you. She said, my intuition is telling me Amina is going to be an unbelievable guest. And she's always been on point with that. So thank you, Amy, if you're listening. Thank you, Amy. Everybody follow Amina. She is the best. This was an amazing conversation. Very quick, but we want to make sure we respect everybody's time. As always, we love you. We don't have fans. We have family. Talk to you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you as always for joining us for another episode of Next Level University. One podcast episode can change your life forever. If you got value from this episode, please share it with someone you care about deeply. And we will talk to you on the next one.